Hello, all you lovely investors out there. How is everyone doing? I'm Kate Hill, back with you for another Female Investor Podcast. I hope that you've all been really well this past month. I've got something a little different for you today. Some news on property investing, a little bit of an explanation and update on that Queensland land tax that is of interest to all investors moving forward. And then something a little different. I've got a little area profile for you. Stay tuned for that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Female Investor, your chance to get involved with all things property, finance, investment strategy, and lots more. I'm Kate Hill, the co-author of the book, The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. I'm an award-winning property mentor, coach, a qualified property investment advisor and founder of Buyers Agency Advisable. Now remember everyone that this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It does not replace your finance, tax, legal or finance product advice. You should always seek advice from licensed and trusted professionals. If you want to improve your chances of creating an income for life, this is your place to listen, be inspired and motivated. So come on, ladies, stay tuned and let's do this together. Okay, everyone, little feature for you about the new Queensland land tax. I know it might sound absolutely deadly dull, but it is an important issue. It is an issue that is gathering more and more momentum in the media because it has most of us in the property investment profession scratching our heads in utter bewilderment. And honestly, I myself have spent plenty of time going, what the actual heck? Now, what I'm talking about is that new Queensland land tax, which was quietly, or should that be sneakily, passed in late June by the Queensland state government. The tax was first proposed late last year, but no one genuinely thought it would actually become reality because it was so, quite frankly, ridiculous and potentially not legal on a constitutional level either. So in a nutshell, the law will see the Queensland government using the total value of someone's Australian real estate holdings across the nation to calculate land tax due in Queensland. Your principal place of residence, so the place that you live in mainly, generally will remain exempt. According to the Queensland government, this includes your taxable land in Queensland as well as your relevant, in quotation marks, interstate land. So in essence, this means that interstate investors of Queensland property will probably have to pay land tax for the first time if you're owning enough land to the value to pay land tax. And it may also be required to pay on properties located in other jurisdictions and states around the country. Industry bodies that I've spoken about lots of times before, such as PIPA, the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, they have been on the front foot arguing against this insanity at a time when there already is a critical undersupply of rental properties, not only in Queensland, of course, in other states and territories too. You will have heard me talk about this in the past few months. Weekly rents have been rising very strongly over the past year, given there is a record low supply of properties available for tenants. 
The national vacancy rate, as I've reported before, hit just 0.9% recently, which is the lowest level in nearly two decades, according to SQM research. So while the land tax is far from ideal for some investors, the market metrics, as I would say, for property investors does remain overwhelmingly positive at present. We are seeing an increase in properties available for sale, which means that more choice is there for those savvy investors keen to make the most of those current market pauses, as we would really generally see that at the moment. On top of slightly more stock to choose from, the number of active buyers has fallen compared to this time last year. So according to the latest Australian Bureau of Statistics figures, lending indicators, the value of new borrower accepted loan commitments fell more than 11% for owner-occupiers over the year to July, while the value of loans to investors dropped nearly 16% over the same period. The Real Estate Institute of Queensland CEO, the lovely Antonia Mercarella, who I am hoping to have on the podcast very soon, has branded the tax change a slap in the face to the one sector which is propping up the state's economy. She has said that the government did not consult with relevant property stakeholder groups before making its announcement. They literally consulted no one, it's extraordinary, to discuss and think through the fallout of this new tax. Ms. Mercarella pointed out that no other state or territory takes this approach on land tax, and she is concerned that it will deter people from investing in Queensland. I agree with her. She should be concerned. To me, it also really heights a complete misunderstanding of basic economics. It will deter people from buying in Queensland and it will compel some investors who own in Queensland to sell those existing investment properties. So what are the implications for investors and renters? If this tax actually takes hold, it will mean that the rental shortage in Queensland, which, like I say, is already dire, will get even worse and rents will rise further because people will stop buying investment properties and those with investment properties will sell. There will be fewer stock on the market. Brisbane's current vacancy rate is 0.6%. And while many Queensland regional markets have vacancies below 0.5%, international borders are now open and interstate migrants are moving to Queensland in large numbers. They have been throughout the pandemic. The land tax rules really could create a situation where there are zero vacancies in locations across Queensland. And that means there are literally no properties available for rent. Currently, more than one third of Queensland households rent. That's very typical across Australia. Now, over 90% of rental homes are provided by private investors. The state government social housing accounts for just 3% of the state's rental supply. People who need to rent and people who want to rent, quite frankly, not everybody wants to own their own home. They will have nowhere to live. Businesses trying to fill vacant job positions, they won't be able to because willing workers will not be able to find anywhere to live in the area that the job is. This is already the case in some regional markets in Queensland who are struggling to attract skilled migrants, not just from overseas, but from interstate. The Property Council Queensland Executive Director has labelled the new measure a tax grab 
given that the state is in the midst of a housing supply and affordability challenge. Bit of an understatement. To me, it's already a crisis. And it is unable to fill critical, skilled positions across the labour market. Queensland needs all the people and investment it can get. I say to all you lovely investors out there, hold your nerve. There is perhaps currently a bit of a growing sentiment, like I've said earlier, among some investors who are indicating that they might sell their Queensland property or properties because of the new land tax. However, I do think that a drastic, even protest move like that is a bit, little bit short-sighted, if I can put it like that, mostly because it is still actually not clear how the policy will work in practice, given that it seems the government expects investors to self-report their interstate holdings. So good luck with that. Look, and likewise, uh, there is still a chance that that tax will be delayed or even repealed if all the various levels of industry campaigning are successful because of its potential to really further decimate the rental market across our beautiful sunshine state. But look, if some investors do decide to sell up in protest or because they don't want to pay land tax, that will provide opportunities for others who are not fearful of the policy who recognise that there are ups and downs in all property market, these things are going to come and go, and who also who recognise the potential long-term benefits of owning a slice or two of our lovely, beautiful Sunshine State real estate. And don't forget, just as a final comment, land tax that is incurred by owning an income-producing asset is often tax deductible. It's a tax deductible tax. Do check with your accountants about that, about its applicability to you and before you do anything drastic. I will keep you posted on all updates with regards to the possible new Queensland land tax. Okay, all you lovely investors out there. And now for something completely different. (laughs) I thought I would perhaps start sharing with you some details about area profiles that I think are worthy of consideration very generally for property investment purposes. Now, before I go straight into all this, there is the usual very boring disclaimer that not all areas are suitable for every investor. Okay, keep that in mind. You've got to assess your risk profile, obviously your budget, your cash flow outcomes, all those things that we talk about in the book. Grab your copy of The Female Investor as soon as you can and check it all out. But just to give you some insights into why we think that areas are worthy of consideration, I thought I would start a little series of area profiles with you. And today I have got the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, which follows on from our segment beforehand. So those of you brave enough to consider still the Queensland state, here we go. So for those of you who don't know where we are, where are we? We are north of Brisbane. It's probably about an hour and a half by car. All you Queenslanders, don't start emailing me going, it's two hours. It is roughly, depending on the traffic and which road you take, about an hour and a half by car. You can, of course, also fly directly into the local Sunny Coast Airport. Now, as a very quick summary, 
It is Australia's 10th largest city, would you believe? The Sunshine Coast Council area really is a rapidly growing residential tourist region. It was independently ranked as the second highest performing regional economy in the state of Queensland for 2013 and 14 and 14 and 15. The economy is worth, look, now probably approximately $21.5 billion and is predicted to grow exponentially over the next 20 years, estimated to reach $33 billion. That is a lot of money, guys. There is significant investment in the region with many infrastructure projects already complete or underway, and I will go into those in a little while. Local industries have broadened over the past decade, just away from tourism, with growth in new industries like health, education, professional services. A few years ago, honestly, I would not have touched the Sunshine Coast with a barge pole because it was mainly a tourism town. It really was a one-horse town when it came to those industries. It was all about tourism. And a lot of other industries existed to support tourism. And that is always dangerous when you have an area very, very heavily and overwhelmingly dependent on one industry. That is no longer the case here. The councillors work really hard to diversify those industries where people work for a living So if one industry, like tourism during the pandemic, is heavily affected and adversely affected and perhaps even falls over, people still have plenty of other job opportunities in other industries. It is crucial. The vacancy rates are very low, with most suburbs at a rate of less than 2%. That is very low. It's a stable area with great capital growth potential in real estate. The Sunshine Coast property market produced quite remarkable price growth, as did many other good areas in 2020 and 2021. It was boosted by the strengthening of its economy and major spending on infrastructure. Now, there are very few growth drivers, I would say, that stimulate property price growth like major new infrastructure spending. It also generates jobs economic activity and generally, depending on the project, improved amenities for residents. So in the past five years, 20,000 new jobs have been created on the Sunshine Coast. That is bringing new residents into the area and this process is very much set to continue. Over, I'd say, $20 billion in major infrastructure projects and private investment is either completed under construction or in the planning and funded pipeline. Work on the new Maroochydore CBD is well underway. It includes office, hotel and residential buildings. With the Sunshine Coast International Broadband Network now in service and a new runway launching at the local airport into international status, the Sunshine Coast can expect to operate on a global business level. The 2032 Olympics will include multiple events on the Sunshine Coast and should inspire, let's say, further investment in infrastructure. With a robust economy that has averaged growth of 4% per year over the last 15 years, which is well above the national average, opportunities to invest wisely continue to present themselves. Now, in terms of the, some of the highlights that interest us as property investors. 
We have got infrastructure projects such as that new city centre being established through a 20-year project in Maroochydore. Construction of the first buildings, like I say, is well underway. A $2 billion tertiary teaching hospital, which opened in 2017. The Sunshine Coast Airport expansion. A Bruce Highway upgrade in the region costing a billion dollars. And in total, over $20 billion, like I've said, in major projects, private investment. They have been recently completed or are also in the planning pipeline. You've got a thing called the Sunshine Coast Enterprise Corridor. It represents really, it's a big initiative and it represents the key locations for expected residential and commercial growth over the next 20 years. Google it, guys. It's honestly, it's really interesting. Sunshine Coast Enterprise Corridor. More than 150,000 additional people are forecasted to be living in this area by 2031. That is a lot of people over the next 10 years. Over 35,000 businesses are already registered here in a very wide range of industries. When it comes to industry and economy, the Sunshine Coast industries, like I've said, are now very diverse. It makes it much more resilient economy, makes it resilient to ups and downs. In terms of education and health, that is one of those industry sectors. You've got the Sunny Coast University Hospital. That project has been described as the Sunshine Coast's coal mine. The economic benefit from the construction phase alone was estimated at $2 million, and it forms part of the Oceanside Health Hub, which is a $5 billion health district estimated to create 3,000 jobs every year for the next 15 years and 12,000 ongoing jobs. The hospital opened in 2017 with 5,000 staff. Numbers are expected to reach around 7,500 staff. Now, since that hospital opened, I can't overstate the importance of big projects like this, right? A hospital is a major employer. The Sunshine Coast has been named among the top three boom areas in Australia for health and social assistance jobs. Tourism, of course, it remains an important industry. Vast tracts of beautiful world-renowned beaches are complemented with a really plentiful number of other national attractions like national parks. There's also Australia Zoo, Underwater World, Australia World and visits from cruise ships are becoming more and more frequent. So in 2022, get this everyone, the Sunshine Coast has been rated the world's most loved tourist destination in a new study called the Tourism Sentiment Index. Now that study was compiled using data from Almost 2 billion, get that, online posts about travel experiences. The tourism industry does still create 17,500 direct jobs and a further 8.2 thousand indirect jobs with the combined total representing 16% of the regional workforce. You also have retail. The region has major, major shopping precincts. You've got the Olympic Games. Now, the Sunshine Coast will play an integral role in those Brisbane 2032 Olympics and it will be home to four key venues 
and several sporting events during the games, which include football, basketball, the marathon, might have to go up and do that, (laughs) mountain biking, cycling and kiteboarding. The Sunshine Coast will also host multiple days of road-based events like that marathon and road cycling during the 2032 Paralympic Games. In terms of population, this is another metric, it's a really important metric that we look at. Population growth on the Sunshine Coast has been above national average since the year 2001. It's been one of the fastest growing areas in the country over the last decade. And this is, like I've indicated before, expected to continue. We are expecting 580,000 people living in this area by 2041. It is really the fourth fastest growth in the state. Current demographic is beginning to change. We are experiencing growth in the number of younger people who live there. The Sunshine Coast recorded the largest growth in migrants from capital cities in the country, being up 24% in the March quarter just in 2021, right? And it's grown even more so since then. In terms of actual property statistics, I guess after the Sunshine Coast property market defied the COVID-19 pandemic, as did most really great growth areas across Australia, property, you know, property markets, it produced record growth in both sales numbers and price rises really since 2020. Although I look, it was already a very active property market because of its diversity and attracting people, you know, because of jobs and lifestyle. By the end of 2020, the majority of suburbs in the sunny coast, LGA and the Noosa Shire were rising markets in terms of sales volumes. Now, rents were also rising rapidly, which is an outcome that I would say could largely be attributed to the level of spending on those major infrastructure projects. It brings in new residents to the region at a time of very low vacancy rates. It continued throughout 2021. And to this day, the sunny coast continues to be one of the nation's really outstanding performers on price growth. A CoreLogic report shows that in the 12 months to January 2022, The Sunshine Coast was the fastest selling region in the country with a median time on market for houses being just 15 days. Inquiry levels from Victoria, New South Wales and Brisbane itself remain strong as prospective buyers seek that lifestyle change. And who wouldn't? It's just beautiful up there. The Sunshine Coast has that strengthening economy boosted by spending on new infrastructure. It has a growing population as it transitions away from tourist town to an international city for those who can afford it. And again, do all your sums, look at the figures, how it suits you personally for an investment. I think it's very well worth considering. I will do other property and property area profiles for you very soon. And that's it for this episode. You can email any questions and comments that you have on info at thefemaleinvestor.com.au. Don't forget to grab a copy of your book, The Female Investor. You can go to your local bookstore, go to Amazon, Booktopia, or anywhere that good books are sold. Head to the website at thefemaleinvestor.com.au, where you'll find lots of resources on property, news, tips, and videos. Stay safe and well, everyone. I'll talk to you all again soon and bye for now.